Welcome to episode 27 of the Atlas Podcast. My name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at Fanbolt.com. Uh, my name is Jakai Mickelson with Atlanta Movie Tours. And this week we have a pretty good episode for you guys. We're going to talk a little bit about Netherworld and Jakai's L.A. trip and some, <laughs> some other fun stuff happening in, in Jakai's life. But uh, we also have a little bit of a preview of the fall TV season. Uh, some Walking Dead awesomeness. And, uh, of course, our box office report and an interview with Lauren Graham, who is in the new movie, which filmed here in Georgia, called Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life. Which uh, I, I watched the preview for that, and I was I was actually uh, fairly amused. It seemed autobiogra- autobiographical. That's a word that maybe... Yeah. <laughs> someone should write down and help me out with. Yeah, but uh, I know it looked like a fun movie. Yeah, it. Um, I remember when it was shooting over at Grady, and uh, the signs were up for oh my gosh, probably like three or four months after they stopped filming. I remember like turning onto Tim Street, getting off the highway, and there were signs up like so far after that film had wrapped. And I always got so excited because I was like, oh, it's still filming. No, wait, it's not. <laughs> they are now thirty million dollars over budget. They just had to get that shot right. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, lots of reshoots. <laughs> yes. Um, but I want to hear about L.A., so let's start with that. Oh, well, L.A. wasn't particularly a star. Uh, there was, I was out there to shoot a, uh, a coaching summit, actually, and that's for, like, professional coaches um, who actually help out, like, executives and big companies and stuff. But it was actually kind of interesting in terms of, uh, it's like the room of the most self-aware people ever, and they're making all these distinctions on um, like philosophy and such, which was very fascinating. And actually, it made me wonder because while I was sitting in there, I actually thought of you because you are um, you have your hands in kind of so much so much stuff on the technology side and kind of in the geek culture and everything else. I actually found myself wondering if you have ever worked with a coach in the realm of like uh, keeping your world together. Uh, I probably should have, but no, it's all been, uh, it's all just magically somehow come together (laughs) over the years. Um, It's funny because I was, I was meeting with someone earlier today and uh, they were asking me, you know, kind of what my, my path was to getting here. And I'm like, it was really just taking it every opportunity I could to, to do whatever I could and meet as many people as I could meet. And I have no formal, formal training other than my, my obvious, you know, degrees in uh, web design and development, but uh, yeah, no, no other coaching. Well, I it, it, see, sometimes there's a stigma, and I, I won't go too far into this because it's not that kind of podcast, obviously, but sometimes uh, certain kinds of coaching um, has like a certain kind of stigma attached to it. Um, but sometimes, like, uh, it's because you, you kind of, I think there's something burned into people's heads that you only get coaching when things are not going right. Or it's like, ooh, something's gone wrong with, like, Bob, so Bob needs coaching to get himself out of the whirlwind. But sometimes, uh, right. and somebody, like, if you think about, like, the, I, I'm a basketball nerd, again, sorry, now I'm talking about sports, just this is already off the rails, Emma. Um, but, uh, but there's, there's this, um, there's a show that's on NBA TV that I geek out watching sometimes where like old school Hall of Fame players get together and just kind of talk about their careers. And it was actually Isaiah Thomas who looked around the room and he said, uh, he's a point guard, just played for the Detroit Pistons, kind of a jerk. 
Never really liked him as a player, sidebar. But he said, you look around the room and every one of the players that were in the room, he's all, think about it. Every one of us has had a Hall of Fame coach. And it kind of really resonated with me. I'm like, oh, that's actually really interesting. Um, it, it, you, you think about the legends of the game and a lot of them, a lot of the biggest legends were under the tutelage of legendary coaches. So the, the, right. it, it kind of changed my, I'm like, oh, you know, sometimes players that are already exceptional, get even more awesome with coaching. So again, that's why I seriously thought of you because I know you work hard and you're constantly going. So, and actually, uh, do you, do you feel like everything you're doing is sustainable? Do you ever get just like, uh, I need a break? Sometimes I get to where I think I need an assistant. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> it's never, it's never to the point. I mean, I definitely think I need a vacation, um, but it's not to the point where I would say that I don't feel like it's sustainable. Even when I think about taking a vacation, though, I'm like, what tourism board could I reach out to to do like a feature on their country? So right. I don't even right. think I know how to turn off. <laughs> well, that's, that's part of the brilliance. That's part of the brilliance that is you. But no, I, I really did. I found myself wondering, like, Emma seems like somebody who would be like an executive at a company who would have a coach. So that's uh, that's why yeah, I was wondering. I think, uh, I think sports metaphors uh, apply really well to, to the world of business. And I mean, I grew up as a figure skater and, you know, had a coach and there's no way I could yeah. have done what I what I did in, in skating without a coach. So I definitely think that it's um, it's kind of one of those things where people just uh, maybe it's more of kind of like the stigma of therapy, like you only yes. go to therapy if something is bad, um, whereas something that's almost like uh uh, maybe that's not as comparable, but uh, I can definitely see it being something that would be useful in the world of business, especially if you have, you know, no experience going in. I think it was really helpful for me, uh, my dad having his own business and, oh, yeah. um, you know, being a CPA and really being able to advise me in, in that space. And so, I mean, maybe, you know, he wasn't officially my coach, but I kind of look back at everything I know about the world of business and I would really attribute it to him. So maybe so maybe I should say my dad was my coach. This whole time you've had a coach, this entire time. Uh, this whole time, this entire time. Sorry, Dad, he does listen to our podcast. <laughs> nice. Well, hello, Mr. Loggins. Way to coach your daughter well. Um, I'm doing so, all right. You're doing okay, and but I but that was that's what it was about. It was a lot. My brain, my brain was very full when it was all over because there, there's a it's a this it was just it's not a room I would ever be like ooh I want to go out of my way to get into that room. But once I was in there because I was just there filming, you know, because um, because they want to put together a video that that kind of highlights the event. But I was in there. I'm like ah, you know I'm actually kind of glad I'm in this room. It was uh, some cool stuff. So again, no celebrity cool. sightings, but uh, still a good trip. So what, what what did you do while I was gone? Did you interview any other big deal directors? No, no. It's been a relatively calm week in terms of events. Uh, lots of work, but uh, uh, not so many events. I did get to visit Netherworld last night, though. And, oh, my gosh. So... You know, a lot of people define the fall season as when, like, you can get the pumpkin latte at Starbucks. Right. I... I define fall as when I get to go to Netherworld. So now it's officially fall for me. Nice. <laughs> um, it's, uh, I look forward to it every year. It's just such a, uh, a great kind of intro into the Halloween season. And they do such a spectacular job with it. Um, and this year is no exception. It's, they, they up the ante every single year. Uh, so I wanted to give a brief kind of uh, description about Netherworld and, and everything they have going on there for our listeners that haven't visited the, the house. Um, 
It is ranked one of the best ones in the country. So if you find yourself in Atlanta um, and you're not local, but you find yourself here between now and the end of October. And I also think they're doing the first weekend in November as well. Um, definitely go check it out. The website is fearworld.com. But a little bit of history on the haunted house. Uh, it opened or it's open now nightly. Throughout the month of October, over two decades ago, co-creators Ben Armstrong and Billy Messina set out to create an incredibly intense and extremely elaborate haunted house with the likes of which no one in Atlanta had ever experienced. The goal was to build something that would be deeply terrifying, yet still entertaining, a celebration of Halloween that folks would visit year after year. The vision of a unique haunt filled with amazing detail and shocking scares helped to attract over-the-top team members of actors, film quality makeup artists, costumers, set builders, and fabricators that staff what is now, 20 years later, one of the most acclaimed haunted attractions in the world. Wow. A collection of two decades of the world's creepiest, most warped characters are also featured this year in a retrospective museum that can be accessed while in queue for the two new haunts which are Monsters and Vault 13 Meltdown. So for the rest of the month of October, um, Sundays through Thursdays, it is open from 7.30 to 10.30, and Friday and Saturdays, it is open from 7 p.m. to midnight. So you can get the location information and all the ticket information at fearworld.com. One of the coolest things for me outside of the actual attractions itself is just all of the characters that are running around in the parking lot. And uh, they have such witty banter. And uh, I don't know if they have scripts or <laughs> if they come up with it in, in their, you know, creations of their characters. But uh, they're just so much fun to interact with. And you can be kind of witty with them and have like a fun banter with them. And it's it's such a great I mean, everything there is just so fantastic. And if you get a chance, if you're not going too fast uh, through the haunts, it is really cool to just look at some of the detail inside. Uh, two years ago, I got to go and during the day and they actually turned the lights on oh, and we got to to walk through and actually see the amount of detail. And it's something that I, I don't think a lot of visitors get to truly appreciate because, you know, you are like so hyper aware of, you know, who's going to pop out around what corner <laughs> right. or what's going to happen next that you're kind of rushing through and you're just, you know, you're you're super uh, aware of, of things that move and not so much super aware of the detail that really goes into all of the sets and the characters. Um, so it's just such an incredible attention to detail. That if you're able to, you know, kind of pause for a minute when you're inside, uh, definitely notice the incredible level of detail. It's it's just really impressive. Well, I'm impressed that it's been going on for 20 years. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so that that means uh, the people involved are definitely lifers. So and they're probably attracting really good talent. I mean, looking at their gallery, it looks like some really cool stuff. I like w when you saw it with the lights on. Were you, was there a part of you that was disappointed that you'd seen it with the lights on that you kind of saw behind the curtain or was that super cool? Um, it was super cool for me because I had been, I had probably been probably four or five years, uh, before I had actually gotten to see it, uh, right. you know, I, without, uh, or, or with the lights on rather. So it wasn't like I was seeing it like that and then going into it for the very right. first time. Uh, so I don't know if that made a difference or not, but it's it's definitely a whole new world when you're when you're in it with the lights off. But it's also so that the kind of maze or pathway through it is 
is so complex that even with the lights on, you don't necessarily remember when you go back in with them off you right. know, where everything was. And even right. even then, when we went through with the lights on, the actors weren't in there. We didn't know, you know, what corners they were going to pop out around or what right. special effects were going to happen at what special areas. Um, so it is definitely, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it, 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 you know, ruined anything for me when I did it. It just made me appreciate the, uh, all the more the yeah. level of detail. Yeah. Cause you just don't see it with the lights out. And if you're like running through and, and screaming around every corner, you kind of neglect <laughs> to, to, to notice your environment so much. So don't look at the brilliantly like uh, sculpted alien or whatever. Oh, that's cool. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Yeah, I want to. I definitely want to check it out. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's what I did while you were while you were gone. Again, you've always got to one up me every time. It's cool. <laughs> I'm coming back talking about coaching. Isn't interesting. You're like, yeah, well, amazing twenty year old haunted house. It's cool. Well, yeah, it, monsters. <laughs> Zach's maybe maybe a little young, but maybe maybe next year or two years from now, we, I can haunt him with horrific. I don't know, creatures of the night. <laughs> then he'll grow up loving monsters and it'll be a beautiful thing. Oh, that'll definitely be part of the plan. Absolutely. <laughs> it is weird the way it turns out because there's a movie, we may have talked about this on this podcast before, called Return of the Living Dead. Um, and there's like, mm-hmm. a, he's in, in the genre, he's classically known as Tar Man. He's, he's basically the zombie in the basement. That uh, character... Gave me nightmares constantly. I was obsessedly afraid of that. And now, weirdly, I love that movie. You'd think it would go the other way, right? I'd grow up and be like, curse that movie for ruining <laughs> the dark for my entire childhood. And instead, I'm like, that movie's awesome. It's weird. Oh, I totally get it. I think that the first horror movie you see, or maybe the first one that you really just get you know, drawn into really does stick with you it's for me it was poltergeist and and when i saw it i i couldn't sleep for for weeks and months i was i I don't know how i think i was like seven or something it was like on hbo and my parents had like left the room and i just started watching (laughs) it and probably totally should not have been watching it but like i was traumatized for a really long time but now it's like my favorite horror film that's really weird. That's weird. I want to. I, yeah. I wish I knew more about us. Uh, you know, brains to understand why it went that way. Hmm. <laughs> so that's fun. Well, uh, very cool. Very cool. And you've got you've got some other cool stuff going on too, right? We're gonna have some uh, house closing on the house uh, <laughs> stories coming up here pretty oh. soon. Oh man! Well, I will tell you this. Uh, uh, I I am in a closet. This is the first ever podcast hosted from the house. But because the house is empty and empty and all has hardwood floors, it's an echo chamber. So I'm in the closet that's still kind of echoey, but better than it would be otherwise. Um, which is very interesting for everybody who's listening to know my exact location. Uh, so if you guys aren't excited enough, rewind it and re-listen to it so you understand what's happening. Um, but no, we uh, we we are we're officially moving in on the eighth. It's happening. We did uh, we did just meet with a foundation guy, and his news wasn't particularly great. So there's that. But it's fine. We're still very excited to live in the neighborhood because I don't know if you saw the announcement from Monday Night Brewing. Did you see that? Yes, I did. So for those of you who don't know, Monday Night Brewing is opening another taste room that deals with uh, uh, barrel-aged beers and sours uh, very close to our new home and that's gonna that's gonna be right off the belt line which is right by where we are so i felt like that was an omen that that we're kind of doing the right thing 
you know? So very, yeah. uh, very excited about that. Well, cool. Congratulations on, uh, on being in the home stretch in this process. <laughs> the the home stretch for the home. I see what you did. I see what you uh, did. No, I'm sorry. I just realized what I did as I was doing it, and it was like starting to giggle. So That's <laughs> I just awesome. had to pat myself on the back. Own your awesome, Emma. Own your awesome. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so where do you go from there? Also, yeah, go ahead. I know. Take control. I'm just gonna yeah. jump straight into. Uh, Speaking the of foundations. Fall also has a foundation. Fall. You need a foundation or you'll what? Fall. You're welcome. You'll fall. Yep. I like it. We are so witty. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We're on it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, the fall TV season has officially started. And um, before we kind of get into our, our beloved Walking Dead which is back on October 23rd. I wanted to talk about uh, one other show that everyone had been telling me to check out and I hadn't got around to it until last weekend. And then I watched it and now I'm completely in love with it. And I think everyone should watch it. So I'm going to talk about it. Um, It's (laughs) called The Good Place. It's on NBC and it's got Kristen Bell and Ted Danson in it. Um, If you're not familiar with it, it is on Thursday nights at 8.30, again on NBC. And the premise is after uh, she is struck, she being Kristen Bell, I don't know why her name isn't in this description. My bad. Um, After (laughs) Kristen Bell's character is struck and killed by a tractor trailer carrying a billboard for erectile Can I just say that I love you reading this with such a laughter in your voice. She was killed by a thing. So, I don't know, maybe... (laughs) It's Let's, a really but well how, how she died is funny because she got hit by like um a bunch of shopping carts in a parking lot and then pushed into ongoing traffic and then hit by a um tractor trailer that had the billboard for the erectile dysfunction uh, uh, medicine on it and it's, okay. it was just the way they describe it and you you have to watch it it's just um <laughs> like wow okay that's what happened to your character because you know you sometimes you just always think that you know when it, when it comes your time to go it's going to be something like completely ridiculous because you're so clumsy or at least that's what that's what i think um that i'm like watching this and i'm like oh yeah it's it's gonna be something ridiculous like that that takes me out um so it's uh, try to to make the news when you go out yeah okay sorry please continue with the exactly um so kristen bell's character uh eleanor wakes up to discover she has entered the afterlife but when she is told by her mentor Michael, uh, who's played by Ted Danson, that she is in the true good place because of her good deeds by helping innocent people off death row, she realizes that a mistake has been made because that's not what she did at all with her life. Um, The only thing they got right about her actually was her name. So now she is stuck in a world where nobody can curse or experience a hangover and everyone is always nice. And she finds herself caught between staying in this afterlife or trying to find a way to return to her mundane life. And uh, it's a really, really great show. It's really funny. Each episode features flashbacks um, to either one of the other residents in the community and or their perfect or imperfect lives uh, back when they were alive. So it's a really cute show. And it's kind of nice to see uh, see some good shows or, or good comedies back on NBC's Thursday night because after Parks and Rec left... So yeah. Emma. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah. is, is it is it uh, like single camera show or is it like sitcom-y? 
Um, it's a single. I think it's single camera. I well, there's no laugh the track. To that. There's, there's I don't no remember. Laugh there's no laugh track. Okay, there's yeah, no yeah. laugh track. But it's not like um, in the vein of like the the Office right. or um, right. you know, Parks and Rec, where you'd have moments where the characters would talk into the camera. It's not like right. that. Right. Um, but they the characters, uh, the writing and 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 Kristen Bell and Ted Danson, just everything about it is such good comedic timing that it's you can't not love it and appreciate it so uh yeah check it out it's uh it's really good i like the premise the premise is fun yeah oh, really fast one thing that did happen in los angeles because uh because macgyver's coming back is that coming back in the fall it's already back it's it's, it's, it's airing already, say it's already here it's, they, already, it's already here you were gonna oh, i was just gonna say it airs on uh friday nights Ah, well, it is everywhere in Los Angeles. It's insane how marketed that show is in L.A. So there's a weird part of me, oh, that's, uh, that's filmed in Atlanta, you know, which is a fun fact that people there are just fascinated by. But anyways, they are advertising the hell <laughs> out of that show in Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, I actually haven't looked at how well it's done yet. Um, I'm going to make a note to do that for, for next week. I'm actually kind of curious what the, the ratings have been. I mean, I feel like all shows on CBS do relatively well just because cbs is it gets to more homes than some of the other networks do uh so it tends to have some some higher numbers sometimes than you know some of the other network shows would that would be equally as good or people would be equally as interested in right uh so yeah i'll get that for next week nice i would actually i was a huge fan of macgyver back in the day but i have not i've been a horrible tv watcher so i have no idea what's going on i even want to see that what's the uh the hero show um, the hero well, show. I would say it's a, it's a, it's the half animated show. Sons of Zorn oh, or something. Son of Zorn. Yeah. Son of Zorn. Yeah. I was curious about that also. Um, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't checked that one out either. But I, I feel like it's either going to do really good or really bad. I don't feel like there's an in between middle ground for that one. Totally agree. Um, yeah, I. But I, I need to check that one out too. I was. It looks like it belongs on Adult Swim, you know, like in terms of its its style and pace. Definitely. Well, I haven't um, I haven't really gotten into any fall or any of the new fall shows. Uh, I've seen a lot of pilots, but nothing that has really impressed me yet. So uh, I was really excited that there's there's a new one that I like, and there's no comedies that I've been in love with recently either. So I, I'm super stoked that I found the good place and, or I didn't really find it. Everyone just kept telling me to watch it. So I'm glad that everyone told me Everybody, to watch it and now I'm watching it. Atlanta counts as a, does that count as a fall show? I don't know the rules. Cause I love that show and I'm all caught up on that one. Um, you know, it has funny moments, but I, and I know it's classified as a comedy, but I don't, that's I don't fair. Classify it as a comedy. It's I not feel like always it's a hilarious. Dramedy. Yeah, it plays yeah. more in that space. But I've had a few laugh out loud moments in that show. I have too. I have too. That's it's such a great show. And if you guys aren't watching that, it's on FX. It is brilliant. It I was is, excited. It's just, just it did get a season two, so it means at least someone is watching. Yeah, exactly. I don't know a single person that's watched it that hasn't loved it, and I also don't know a single person that is not watching it right now. So it's got a. I think it's probably doing pretty well for FX. Nice, nice. I like yeah. it. So I'm sorry, I've taken your whole fall TV update just apart. So I will be quiet so you can no, continue. That's, 
with your... That's great, because all I had was that show and oh. then running into Walking Dead. So that's ah. great. Thank you for adding some variety to yeah. my you're, you're very welcome. Well, the Walking Dead, October 23rd, coming back. Yes. Um, so super excited for this. And I got to... Uh, go to the press room uh, or the press conference uh, a few months back at Comic-Con. And I know we kind of teased it right after Comic-Con and then we were holding it for a little bit closer to the actual season premiere. Um, But we're going to play that for you guys now. And the audio is a little wonky on it just because it was a, a press conference and we were in a big room. And I can't remember exactly how many cast members we had up there, but I think it was around 10. They actually split them into two groups. Um, so we're going with the group that had the better audio. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll, we'll play that now. It's great. It's great. It's a virtual experience because you can. It actually will feel like you're in the room, like in the press room. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Who wants to listen to clean audio? <laughs> That's it's ridiculous. That's boring. <laughs> Wait, how would make that decision? Say that again. The complications of what? Of uh, making the decision for who would be the victim. Well, you know, it, I think the biggest challenge is you know it. You know it's coming. You know, I mean, ever since issue 100, was, I was talking to Stephen earlier, we were at breakfast four years ago today when that issue was out, and I remember reading it and just thinking how brutal and how unexpected and senseless it felt. So we're going into that moment where we know it's going to happen. Um, I think that is the, the trickiest aspect of the first episode is living up to, number one, the expectation of that moment. And then what's even more interesting for for me as the director of the episode was how that changes the direction of the survivors forever. And when we we shot the episode, that to me was, was as critical as the actual moment, which is the five minutes after, the 10 minutes after, the 20 minutes after when the smoke clears of the battlefields of the scenario. So it's a, it's a fascinating exercise in emotion because shock and um, denial, all these, all these things play into it. So it's, uh, it, it was a master class in acting from, from these people right here uh, to, to watch on a, on a daily basis. But every time you get the outlines of the scripts or, the, or, or Scott and the writer's pitch, you never want to hear that it's coming. And I think the trick with this particular episode is everybody knows it's coming. So it's, it's agonizing to think about the fact that we're, you know, that we're changing the landscape of our guys. What they're adding in other cast introduction being is so important uh, because they don't have the expectations already from the comic book. They get to see him and experience him in this moment that is now being extended from the end of season six into the, you know, the beginning of season seven. And it really sets up just what a formidable, but somehow incredibly charming 
character Negan is, um, and uh, you know we just get really up close and personal with Lucille. And for those people who didn't know who Lucille was, by the end of you know by the end of seven, they will um, they will know that Lucille is a it's a very close friend of Negan's and uh, also an inanimate object baseball bat. Inanimate. <laughs> I just wanted to say that last thing, just about this, because this comes up a lot, this has been a serious you know, conversation about us. You know, the two things are, one is, if a character is killed off the show and it doesn't hurt and it doesn't, it, it doesn't upset somebody, then honestly we weren't, we weren't doing our jobs being the show that people care about, right? The other aspect is that we have to make Try to make that promise that death is not done for arbitrary reasons. Right? There's no reason someone's killed off. Just oh, we need, we need a plot. We, we try to take that seriously, but at the same time, do it in a way that fulfills the organic nature of the story. Well, I'll tell you too. The, the, the two nights that we shot that last sequence. I mean, Jeffrey was still finishing *The Good Wife*. Flew in like one day of costume fittings. We shot that nice twelve-page dialogue scene. And you would think about you know, just how you have to prepare for that. And he, he nailed it. I mean, it was really amazing to watch. On the DVD, the Blu-ray, we have the alternate dialogue from the comic book, which he says, fuck, every other three words. Uh, but it, it was amazing. And these guys who were literally sitting on their knees watching him go back and forth, when I would say cut, they get up. Great, man. The cast really surrounded him and brought him in. You know, we're so lucky. We're really just saying. Not only are they on their knees, but they were acting their asses off. Absolutely. I mean, to do that and be that vulnerable for a guy that's just walking in to kind of turn the show upside down is a testament. I mean, I was, I've never seen anybody off camera to what the extent that everybody ever Um, the zombies themselves often kind of reflect the state of the survivors as the seasons have gone on. And each year you've made them a little bit more, de I mean the zombies, a little bit more and more decrepit, kind of following the flow of the survivors. What is, what is season seven zombies? There's some amazing stuff coming up. Uh, we, we came up with some pretty amazing gags that, again, all serve the story. You know, Anything that happens in the show, we never uh, stop the show to do an elaborate special effect. Everything is very important to the storyline and tribute to the storyline. But we also go on to see the same zombies every single episode. So uh, my team and I spend a, a lot of time uh, just finessing things and fine-tuning things. I mean, any any artist that has an opportunity to revisit something and tweak it and see what they thought worked and what didn't work about. We're, we're seven years of doing it. And, uh, we, did, we did a walker on, on Wednesday on set, and my guys were like, this is my favorite walker. We've done everything from the beginning. They're, they still bring the same enthusiasm to the job, um, and that's critical. I would have thought at some point that they were like, fuck, do we have to do another zombie? Uh, but they're still in it. They're still committed uh, every day. So we, we take great pride in continuing to, to push the envelope and, uh, and put stuff on television that seven years ago, there was nothing like this on TV. From a storytelling standpoint, from an acting standpoint, from a makeup effect standpoint, 
the thing I'm most proud of is when someone will come up to me and say, I want to be a makeup artist because I watched The Walking Dead. That's how I got into it, because of the movies I watched when I was a kid. And the fact that I get to pay that forward to an entire new group of filmmakers is the greatest compliment. Man, they're nominated for Emmy as a So yeah, maybe all of them die. They they <laughs> don't. It's gonna be all. a completely different show. Yeah, just a completely <laughs> different show, and it's they're gonna they're gonna just go to an animated format. No, I, I'm I'm actually. I, I still admit that I thought that that was a bit of, but it's worked brilliantly for them. I thought it was a little bit of like a, of a, I wasn't too into the, who's going to die, but I'm curious. So I'm, I'm on the hook too. I am too. I, I, I think, I mean, I, I think I know who it is just based upon my own gut feeling and watching so many things, uh, analyze that final scene because they did talk about, uh, on talking dead afterwards, how there were hints, right. um, in that, that final scene. And I think the hints are the camera angles. Yes. Um, and so if you kind of look back and kind of look at what you see, you know, when you're looking at things through the, uh, the, the van doors. And then when you're going out, um, uh, you know, when they're in the lineup and just kind of looking at the angles, I think that that's a hint and you kind of knowing the lineup of who's next to who. And so if he was over here, then he was, you know, walking this way. And then, so I don't know, it's, it's reading a lot into it and it'll be really cool after we do know, you know, who it is to be able to go back and actually see if, if all of that was pre was, was thought out and that was actually our hints. Well, so, um, so I remember who you thought got it at first. Uh-huh. Has your opinion of who got it changed now that you know more? No. Oh, okay. You're still where you started. Oh, oh, no. Uh well, I can't remember what I told you now. No, well you told I... me uh you you thought that uh you thought that um um I thought it was Dar- going to be Daryl. Daryl himself was yeah. going to be no more. I I don't think it's I don't think that's true anymore. Oh, okay. I've gone back and I've rewatched. I've watched so many clips analyzing that scene um, <laughs> that I do think that they're going to follow the comics, and I I think that they're going to. But because I feel like that would be with how how built up they made this last you know that that final scene that if they just followed the comics, um, which would kind of make something else that happened last season um, a little kind of really aggravating for the fans. Are you talking Um, about revealing who you think it is? Yeah, well, I'm trying to to, to stay... I don't know. I don't know if people are reading the comics and I don't want to spoil them. Oh, okay. You're so good. I'm trying to be like... You're so good. ...being politically correct with this. Um, (laughs) But I I think that it is the same person in the comics, but I think that they're going to have to up the ante and do a little bit more than just that if they want the shock value of the premiere to live up to what they built it up to be. So I think it's going to be two characters. And I don't know if I think that it's going to be two characters that Negan kills or if it's going to be Negan kills the one character and then later in that episode, the other character dies. Um, but I do think we're going to have two major deaths in the premiere. Man, you have uh, you have put some thought into this. And what I love about it is we, we have to like we have to like even your your opinion of what happened is like a cliffhanger. 
for so <laughs> exactly, so you, right? yeah so this is it's very involved what the gosh the thing that that series or season finale did to people it's very intense yeah but I, I think everyone was yelling I, I bet you're right I totally bet you're right because they couldn't just go with the standard they'd have to up the up the ante it would be hilarious if like on one of the shows like the core cast was just walking around and then suddenly one of them slipped and fell and like <laughs> like hit their head on a rock and that's like the end just of like- Carol or something like just something ridiculous <laughs> well you know crap happens yeah. sometimes yeah so <laughs> yeah it does it does indeed it, it, it could happen um but yeah, so Walking Dead is back on the 23rd, and uh, we'll, we'll have lots more to, to talk about in the, the upcoming weeks about what all is going to happen and does happen and, and all of that. Until then, it is just speculation that is driving me crazy. <laughs> Mosquito so I speculation. I want to know already. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good times. <laughs> I look forward to it. Hey, are you going to watch it in a public place? I feel like that is an episode that should be watched in a public place. Just yeah, to watch everybody know, freak thinking, out. Uh, yeah. Exactly, exactly. I, there's something about watching the the major episodes, uh, especially the you know the premiere and the finale, and even the mid season finale with other people that are as invested in the story as you. Um, that really just makes it such a better experience. Um, I know Atlanta Movie Tours is is partner, partnering up with uh, Battle and Brew up in Sandy Springs for a viewing party. That's right. Um, I don't. I don't know if I'm going to do that one yet or if I'm going to do something here um, inside inside the city. But um, I'm definitely going to do something for it because I want to be around a lot of people that are going to yell and scream because I feel like I'm going to yell and scream. <laughs> nice. And you just want to be drowned out by the others. I do. Well played. <laughs> exactly. Well played. Or consoled. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, that's it for our, our TV portion. We'll we'll roll all roll ah, roll on into our box office report. That wasn't a smooth roll in. It's all right. It's supposed to be a smooth roll in. <laughs> Sometimes we like to go off roading um, at the Atlas, which makes for bumps. Exactly. It was bumpy. That's all I meant. Um, well, Tim Burton's uh, uh, Miss Pellegrine's Home for Peculiar Children uh, took the top spot at the box office this weekend. It brought in 20, $28.5 million domestically and then another $65 million overseas. Uh, mm. So it's done pretty well for, for opening weekend. It had a original production budget of $110 million, and it stars Eva Green as the headmistress at an orphanage full of misfits and odd talents. So if you haven't checked that one out yet, please check it out and let me know how it is because mm. I missed the screening and I really want to see it. <laughs> um, but uh, that one did really well. And we had Deepwater Horizon, which stars Mark Walburn and Kate Hudson came in second with $20.6 million with a budget of $110 million as well. I, I just, that movie, like, I, D- Deepwater Horizon, I just don't care. I'm like, oh, well, baby, stop drilling in and taking oil i've already seen mark Wahlberg die in a wave at the end of what was it the perfect storm i already seen him died in the ocean yeah. once that was enough anyways positivity coming for me and we once uh, sat next to mark Wahlberg at church and my wife was losing her mind which was hilarious so we can <laughs> we can move on <laughs> that's a good story yeah i add value please continue <laughs> I like it. Random fun facts are my fave. Yep. Um, 
so yeah, Magnificent Seven fell two spots to third place this week. And the animated film Storks came in fourth with $13.8 million. And rounding out the top five, the Atlanta film Sully is still hanging in there. Still hanging in, yeah. Um, yeah, so it's it's now up to um, $105.3 million that has been made. And again, the production budget on that one was $60 million. So Sully has been a success not only in the actual event of what happened, but also at the box office. Oh, nice. It's a, it's a win-win. But yeah, not, speaking of successes, uh, let's talk about one that wasn't. <laughs> Coming in sixth this week was the uh, critically panned comedy Masterminds, oh, which stars panned. Zach Galifianakis. Yeah, it didn't do well. Um, it debuted in sixth, making $6.6 million. And uh, my, my go-to site for all of my production budgets... Didn't have the production budget for this one, but I'm assuming that with Zach Galifianakis, Owen Wilson, and Kristen Wiig, it was probably more than six million to make. So uh, yeah. it didn't do well. Coming debuting in six is not a place you want to debut in. No, that's not a place you want to start. I'm bummed because, like I said, we talked about this before. The trailer looked really amusing to me, but maybe it's not good. Yeah, I I heard that it was not great. So. Yeah, it's a 5.7 out of 10 on uh, on IMDb with only 886 votes. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I like to sit here <laughs> in a closet and judge people that made movies. So get it together, makers of Mastermind. Do better next time. <laughs> um, but we do have some great films coming out this weekend, and uh, we'll be reviewing... One of them next week, uh, Girl on the Train. I'm actually seeing that tonight. And, of course, that's based on a best-selling book. So hopefully that one's going to, to live up to all the hype. Um, Birth of a Nation, which shot in Savannah and was the uh, was a, such a huge success at Sundance. And uh, when it was sold into distribution, it was one of the, the biggest deals. I think it was the biggest deal to ever come out of Sundance. Yep. Uh, so I'm, I don't think I'm seeing a screening of that one, um, but I'm going to try to try to go see it because it's obviously want to support anything filmed in Georgia, but yeah. I've heard that it's a really great film. Super powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, rounding out uh, that group of films is Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life, which, of course, we talked about also filmed here. Yes. And that leads us right into our interview segment with Lauren Graham, who... Most of us know best, and most of us girls listening to this podcast probably know best as <laughs> Lorelai Gilmore from the Gilmore Girls. And then, of course, she went on to be in uh, the beloved drama Parenthood. Um, and, of course, we'll return to the role of Lorelai Gilmore this November on Netflix's Gilmore Girls Revival. And with all of that being said, uh, let's listen to Lauren Graham talk about her new movie, Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life. Uh, yeah, this is from when I sat with her and asked her some very well thought out questions. So here we go. <laughs> We're here talking about Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life with the one and only lovely Lauren Graham. Is that how you pronounce your name? Graham? Uh, can you tell me what is this movie about? Middle school is the story of a family who's uh, going through some changes, and um, and uh, my son 
the character of Rafe has had a hard time fitting in and we're starting a new school and it's what happens to him and how he handles um, some of the rigidity of his new environment by completely <laughs> going berserk. Nice work of the use rigidity, by the way. Tell me about the character you play in this film. I'm a single mom. I'm trying to be a chef. I'm not quite there yet. I'm working my way up. And um, again, without giving too much away, the family's recently gone through something. And and so she's just trying to be strong for her kids. And um, she started dating a questionable person um, named Carl. And um, I think at first he seems like a lot of fun and then he reveals himself to maybe not be the best match. Tell me about Ref, Rafe, Rafe, or just tell me about the character of your son in the film. Rafe is sort of a misfit, but um, really he's just very creative and he uh, is kind of being asked to fit into this mold that just doesn't doesn't match with who with him and um, one of the ways he expresses himself is through his art and um, a cool aspect of the movie that we won't see for a while um, as the actors is some of his drawings come to life because he's new and he's maybe a little bit lonely and so um, his drawings keep him company in a way tell me about Griffin Gluck as an actor because he just won the most alliteration in name award he's just a great natural actor he's um, he's got a lot of heart and um, kindness just sort of naturally and um, and he is handsome and like doesn't seem like a misfit but also you can see why maybe he not that handsome people <laughs> can be misfits I just mean he doesn't you know he's he's a He's a very um, kind of grounded kid, and um, but you can see how maybe he wouldn't fit in in a, in a new in a new environment. Um, I'm just always amazed at you know anybody that age kind of bringing such creativity and and professionalism you know to a part. It's really impressive. Tell me about Georgia. Georgia is a mouthy little girl um, who. Uh, is probably, you know, hiding behind her kind of confidence in a way and um, and who's really there for her brother and 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 going to do what she can to keep this family together. And they the kids see some of the behavior that I don't see in, in Carl, the boyfriend. And so they kind of take it upon themselves to defend me and um and and save save the family from him. That whole thing was awkward because I was asking you about the state, not a character in the film. You know, given that this was mostly filmed in in Georgia, but it's cool. We we can move on. How was your middle school experience? They were the worst years of my life. Um, I think it's a time. Just that age is such a transitional time. You're not a little kid but you don't have maybe some of the confidence or some of the freedom that you get um, in high school and you can feel stuck. Also, it's a time when lots of people are maturing at different rates and it can be hard to really feel like you have a community of, of people who are going through what you're going through. It's just awkward. Tell me about the director, Steve Carr, who's helmed such masterpieces as Paul Blart Mall Cop, Daddy Daycare, and Dr. Doolittle Part 2. He, um, like all the 
best directors I've worked with. He just has an ear for when he knows something kind of hits him the right way or something's off, you know, and that's, you just want that in a director to kind of like guide you. But besides that, he's just super funny and fun to be around. And, um, and we just laugh, you know, all day. Like, and he has great suggestions. He's very collaborative and, um, I don't know. It's just, it's been, it's been just so much fun. Rob Riggle, he was on The Daily Show. Care to comment? Rob, as a person, is so funny and um, really just fun and throws curveballs everywhere, which is wonderful. And uh, and we just kind of had a mind meld, like, from the very beginning. And, you know, you can always tell somehow if you kind of work the same way as someone else. And that always just makes it that much more easy and fun. So that was my extensive interview with her. And honestly, I, uh, this is not a movie I'd heard of, but uh, I'm very curious about now because it it's right in my sweet spot. I When I was a kid, I would always get in trouble for drawing cartoons in class. In fact, I still have an awesomely drawn Leonardo Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle that my um, my civics teacher threw away. And I couldn't believe she actually <laughs> threw it away. So I dug it out the trash because it was at the time it was like, this is the best work I've ever done. And I re-stumbled upon it recently. I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I dug this out the trash. It's pretty good. So uh, I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to see it. I, I don't know. I think it looks all right. Yeah, I think it does, too. Um, I don't feel like it's gotten a lot of, of promotion or, or maybe I just haven't seen seen the promotion. But um, so, so that makes me kind of nervous on how well it's going to do. Yeah. But um, I'm not sure what the budget was to make it. We'll we'll have those numbers uh, uh, next podcast. But yeah, hopefully it'll it'll do well. It was funny. I actually received a uh, a screening invite today for a movie called uh, The Edge of Seventeen, which is another you know kind of coming of age movie. That one looks really really good. Um, so keep an eye out for that one. That comes out next month. But I just have such a soft spot in my heart for all of these kind of coming of age teenage films because it kind of takes you right back to, you know, the the worst years of your life. <laughs> um, <laughs> which which as you get older, you can kind of you know remember a little bit more fondly because you know the despite these these crazy things that happened or, or bad experience that you experiences that you had still, you know, helped to, to form you as a person. So it's a, a way to positively look back on the past. You're so good at that. You're so good at that. And, you know, speaking of awesome coming of age movies about teenagers, Angus, have you watched Angus? <laughs> oh, my God. OK, I'm writing that back on my list. That fell off my leg. You're just going to keep I got to watch it one time. You're going to ask me this and I'm like totally going to surprise you. James Vanderbeek in Angus. I know. It'll happen. I I'm promise. seriously. And if any listeners out there have, have seen the movie and didn't like it, let me know because I will have a right to disagree with you. And I guarantee if you haven't seen it and you decide to watch it, you'll be pleasantly surprised. That is my personal guarantee about Angus. I'm a champion for that film, especially in the sweet spot of coming to age. Like Emma unknowingly just totally described Angus. So there we go. Aww. I was never. Uh, and by the way, I'm not on any sort of like, like I don't get a kickback. <laughs> but it was a great film. <laughs> Don't get uh, residuals from from, from, from a movie that didn't really do well in the box office, you know, whatever, 20 years ago. <laughs> Weirdly, no. Um, and actually, a quick side question for you. when uh, Do you call it middle school or junior high school? 
I call it middle school. Yeah, weirdly, uh, in San Diego, that's what they called it. But when I lived in Central California, it was totally called junior high. And in Utah, it was called junior high. So what a fascinating discussion that is. <laughs> well, was it a separate school? Like, because I know some schools, like, actually, like, you went through, I think elementary school went through sixth grade and then seventh grade through twelfth was like a like all in one place. No, it was uh, when I was in when I was in Central California, it was first through sixth was grade school and then seventh and eighth was junior high and then freshman through senior was high school. And in San Diego, uh, pretty much everything was exactly the same, except sixth grade was in middle school. So it was sixth, seventh and eighth in middle school. And then high school was, yeah. So maybe that's a distinct, maybe junior high means only seventh and eighth. I don't know, but I was always fascinated. I don't remember what it was in Utah because I was, I was a kid. Yeah, that, that is interesting. I know it was, it's sixth, seventh and eighth here, or at least it was when, when I was that age. I don't know what it is now. I know like their SAT scores are like 2400 and it's like year round school with like two weeks off every other week or something crazy. I don't know. (laughs) But, um, I'm not familiar with the world now. <laughs> I'm not either. And and on an aside, I saw somebody post a thing on Facebook about new math versus old math. And it was like some weird, wacky way to do arithmetic or a, 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 yeah. And I was like, wait, what the hell is this? Am I going to have to know how to do this for my son? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, everybody needs to relax. Okay. I was just curious. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, one one more kind of note on the Lauren Graham topic. Um, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, um, there are multiple places around the country. I think there's over 200 locations actually on October 5th that are transforming their coffee shops into Luke's Diner for a portion of the day in a promotion of uh, Gilmore Girls coming back in November on Netflix. So if you are a diehard Gilmore Girls fan and you're listening to this the day it comes out, then get online and find out where the closest Luke Steiner is to you and go get yourself some Gilmore Girls swag and some coffee. That's awesome. That's a pretty fun promotion. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited. I'm actually waking up at 7 a.m. tomorrow to... um, go and get coffee just so I can make sure that I get the swag. That's, um, <laughs> wow, that's awesome. See, yeah, yeah. Um, usually I usually I go to the gym in the mornings, and so I've canceled my gym in the morning <laughs> to go and get coffee. That is, uh, that is the level of my that's, fandom. That's commitment. For, there are absolutely certain things is, I would do that commitment. for as well. I would do certain things <laughs> for certain things I'm a fan of. I would do that as well. Yeah. Speaking it of. It should be fun. Yeah. And and, uh, and I, I hope you have a really fun time and I hope you get awesome swag. But another thing that was up in Los Angeles everywhere is the Evil Dead, uh, you know, um, Ash versus Evil Dead show that's on stars. There was like this yes. gi- gigantic mural. Like, you got to understand, like, I dragged my dad to see Army of Darkness in the theater, I think, when it came out in 1993. And there were like seven of us. Like the movie bombed, right? And then over time, it's become yeah. kind of this thing. But I was such a fan of it back then, and it's, it's, it's one of my favorites. And it is insane to be in Los Angeles, like on Santa Monica Boulevard, in 2016, well after this movie bombed, to see your cult hero, like at the epicenter of this like gigantic mural. I was just like, I if you would have told me that was going to happen when I was 13, I would have told you you were out of your mind. So it's just fun the way <laughs> things end up happening. 
It is. So. It is. But it's it's so cool to see the things that, you know, we loved as kids uh, still getting getting some love now. Yeah, it is. It's true. It's a it's a it's a it's a great time to be a fan of things that didn't do well, but now are big or something. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> um, but we're going to have a great show next week. Uh, you'll get to figure out uh, or find out what Gilmore Girl swag I got tomorrow, because I know you all are dying to, to find that out. I want to know. I want to make sure it was worth you skipping the gym for. That's, that's my big Me curiosity. <laughs> Me too. Um, but we're also going to have a review of Girl on a Train, and we're going to have some interviews from another Georgia-filmed movie, The Accountant, starring Ben Affleck. And uh, it's also my birthday this weekend, so <gasps> that should be cool. Oh, my gosh. We're going to hopefully happy, have some fun stories. Happy birthday. <laughs> Not yet, though. Thank happy you. birthday. That's very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully I'll have some uh, some fun stories to, to share with you guys about about that. I hope one of them yeah. involve how you and your friends got together and watched this great movie called Angus. <laughs> Just throwing that out there as, as an idea. Maybe whatever uh, plans you did have, cancel them because there's this great movie you got to see called Angus. <laughs> I'll do it. I'm just going to just email everyone now and tell them that's what we're doing. It's probably best. going to wa- watch the movie. <laughs> nice. I love it. Um, but yeah, so we have all of that happening on the next episode. And and I, because I know you like surprises. <laughs> I there's do. There's going to be a surprise. I was going to ask gonna be a surprise. if there were going to be any surprises next week. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you about it because nice. that would ruin the surprise. That would ruin the surprise. But there will be a surprise. Uh, that's very exciting. I look forward to the surprise. Very, very cool stuff. <laughs> Well, cool. Uh, we'll wrap up for uh, for this week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Again, my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief at FanBolt. Uh, my name is Kevin Mickelson with Atlanta Movie Tours. And thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>